first scripture this morning is the book of Acts, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait at tables. Therefore, friends, select among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. They had those men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Our second reading comes from the History of Covenant by Mary Lee Burris. Readings mostly from paragraphs on page 2, paragraphs 1, 2, and 3. Worship services from the outset were very much as they are today, more formal and more liturgical than the Baptist tradition from which we came, with no altar call. We're asked to enter the sanctuary in silence, and we try to limit announcements made during worship. Music has always been an extremely important element in Covenant's worship experience. Education has always been strongly emphasized for adults as well as children. Although Covenant has emphasized good music and high education standards, a strong emphasis on mission and active lay ministry, it has always been a church that valued most a meaningful worship experience. We set aside our minister to study and to preach and then to shepherd us as we respond to the stories and tenets of the faith. For more than 20 years, our pastors have used the Revised Common Lectionary as the basis of their sermons, except when they choose not to. Footnote added by Laura May. To further our desire to become a progressive religious voice for Houston, we ask that sermons be couched in language suitable to our time and place, and that the message be one that challenges, that causes us to see ourselves and our relation to the world in a different light. We ask that the worship service empower us to re-enter the world each week with new compassion and new understanding. That is the symbolism of the acolyte, who each Sunday lights the candle and then takes the light back out into the world at the end of the service. Covenant values the continuing education of its ministers, and for that reason, they are given annual time off from the pulpit to study and renew themselves. A byproduct of this time off is that members of the congregation are given the opportunity to fill the pulpit. These are our sacred stories. The twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait at tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community. What they said pleased the whole community. Did it? Really? Which part? 
The part where the disciples claimed that they were too important to wait at tables? Not that part, surely. The part where they suggest that there are some men of good standing who can deal with lesser things like feeding people? What part? In one commentary I read on this passage, the author suggested that wait on tables may sound a little condescending compared to serving the word of God. It absolutely sounds condescending. And let's be clear about this. If you're hungry, the person taking care of your need for food is far more important than someone like me who's about to go on and on about Greek. I'm just saying. If we read this passage as it is given in the NRSV and many other translations, then certainly it would seem that the 12 are saying that taking care of people's need for food is less important than preaching the word. In other words, waiting on tables is trivial, as Joseph Fitzmaier in the Acts of the Apostles put it. A humble task, as Michael Penny in the missional emphasis of Lucan pneumatology noted. One of the lower tasks, as Joseph Leanhart in Acts, a redactional view, said, This line of interpretation sees Stephen's subsequent preaching as the real purpose behind the Spirit's influence. There would be no need for the Holy Spirit to get involved in menial tasks like managing the allocation of resources and feeding folks. The Spirit certainly doesn't know what to do if the dishwasher won't work. This cannot be right. It isn't right. What they said pleased the whole community. This line should have been our first clue that something was wrong with the translation. Why, friends, why, if you have the exact same Greek word, diokoina, deacon, in one sentence that is in the next sentence, the, the Greek words are in the two sentences, back to back, it's the same word. Why would you translate it one way in one sentence and a different way in the next sentence? In the Greek, the two sentences are, it is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to deacon at tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, devote ourselves to prayer and to deaconing the word. Deacon at tables and deacon the word. It isn't hierarchy. It's deaconing. Serving at tables or serving the word. Both are acts of service and both are important. Okay, even with the Greek, could it be argued that a dismissive attitude about serving at tables is not just a matter of translation, but is really what the disciples were trying to express? Could the apostles themselves have imagined that they were chosen to serve the word because they're more gifted than those who are chosen to serve at tables? Is that what they mean to say? If so, wouldn't that be falling back into something very similar to the Roman patronage system? 
setting themselves up with a status too high to be sullied by serving at tables? Wouldn't they be substituting a new source of status gifts of the Holy Spirit for the old Roman one, patronage? This isn't the gospel of Christ. Remember all that last shall be first stuff? How about if you're invited to a house, take the lowest seat? In context, this has to be about doing what you're called to do in a particular time. If you're called to serve the word of God, you shouldn't neglect serving the word in order to do something else. And likewise, if you're called to serve at tables, you shouldn't neglect serving at tables in order to do something else. People may be called to different tasks, but there is no biblical Jesus or love reason to regard some callings as higher or better or more important than others. In fact, quite the opposite. I would like you to please raise your hand if you're currently a deacon at Covenant Church and please keep your hand up. Hi. Thank you. Now raise your hand if you have ever been a deacon at Covenant Church. You may all put your hands down. Please raise your hands if you are on the Council of Covenant Church. Now keep your hands up. Please raise your hand if you have ever been on the Council of Covenant Church. Now you put your hands down. Okay, raise your hand if you are on a committee at Covenant Church. Please keep your hands up. Raise your hand if you've ever been on a committee at Covenant Church. You can put your hands down. Now, please raise your hand if you've ever given the proclamation, a prayer, the time for children, or been worship leader at Covenant Church. You can put your hands down. If at any point in this you raised your hand, please raise it now and keep it up and look around. If you don't have your hand up, it's because you're new. Your time is coming. We all serve each other. We all serve our church. Perhaps you're not a deacon this year, just wait. Maybe you're not the chair of a committee right now, but you were. You will be. Maybe you're taking a leadership break this year. Good. Take a break. We know you'll be back. It takes all of us. We make the banners and pour the wine and the water. We take meals to Grace Place. We plant the seeds and harvest the produce. We sing and play handbells. We alphabetize name tags. We donate to the children to use auction and then buy pie, I mean, then buy items at the auction. <laughs> we bring blankets when the shelter needs them. We preach and pray and lead and worship. We bring food for potlucks. We serve at table and we serve the word. Last Sunday after the environmental justice lunch, wasn't that great? I delighted in the cleaning up. I actually like to clean. We rinsed plates and used the amazing dishwasher once it decided to work again, thanks Spirit and Brian. Some folks washed by hand, others dried, others cleared tables. 
The word was served at 11 by some of the very same folk who served at table at noon. And isn't that the way it should be? We're all ministers at Covenant Church. We are all called. Your calling in this moment might be to table service and next it might be the word. We're all called. I don't know any other church where worship leadership is shared among the congregation as it is here. I'm most familiar with churches where Brother Brown has been the deacon since 1968, and he will be a deacon until he crosses this mortal plane. Because we at Covenant cannot serve in leadership roles more than three years, we are all of us called to be part of the ministry. We take turns. It's just a matter of time. We share. When calling was discussed at the churches of my youth, it almost always involved leaving something you loved in order to do something you didn't really want to do, and then far worse, to be someone you were not. This is why I worked at churches. I interned at churches. I had three minors in religion. I went to divinity school, and all the while I said I wasn't going to be a minister. I didn't want to be someone else. I wanted to keep my questions and my sometimes questionable irreverence. And even after learning that I could be progressive and Christian, liberal and Baptist, a woman and a minister, I still resisted because somehow I still believed that to be called was to be asked to do something I didn't want to do, someplace I didn't want to be, to be someone else. My friends, God knows us, knows us as we are, knows what we're good at, and calls each of us not to be someone or somewhere else. God calls us to use the self we already are and the places we already are. We're called with the passions we have, with our gifts and our unique perspectives. We are known and we are needed with exactly the skills we have so that we can use these skills in service to ourselves and each other and the world to do the work of compassion and love, of healing and hope, of feeding and cleaning the work of covenant together. We are called because of who we are called to serve at table and called to serve the word, called to serve the good news of love, called to serve each other and the world. How grateful I am to be called with and among you. <laughs>